This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. Hey, it's Glenn, and I want to remind you, peace of mind is tough to come by these days unless you have a Liberty Safe. With a Liberty Safe, you won't worry when you leave the house because you'll know your valuables are protected. And right now, you can get free delivery to your home on any Liberty Safe. Go to LibertySafe.com for factory direct pricing. LibertySafe.com, made in the USA, lifetime warranty, and peace of mind. LibertySafe.com. Veterans Day is a day um, that we should be taking to to examine where we are in the world, what we have done, what we've asked others to do in our name, and what we're doing now. I was talking to a uh, reporter in, in New York a few weeks back, and I had said that back in 2004, I think it was, three, five, when did we go to Iraq? Anybody remember? 2003. So it was early 2003. I went on a a tour. I called it uh, the Rally for America. And I said, it doesn't matter to me which way you're for. If you're for the invasion or against the invasion, I want us to all stand together and promise that we will never be the people that we were in the 1960s who um, called our veterans baby killers and spat on them because that was the political nature at the time. I never saw us do what we're doing now. I couldn't have guessed that America would end up, in my opinion, being worse than the 1960s. It would be nice if we saw our veterans now, if we noticed them, if we could name the countries where they were actually actually fighting, where they were being killed, where they were being wounded, or they were asked in our name to kill others. I was talking to this reporter, and I told him that, and he said to me, you know, my cousin is in special forces. They just dispatched him to Afghanistan. I thought that was winding down. That's a reporter saying that. What have we done? What are we doing? And where are we headed? I want to touch on that a little bit, but I also have some amazing people here um, in the audience uh, who are taking some things on and trying to fix themselves and help uh, others fix themselves. And we want to talk about that, and I want to introduce you um, to um, Travis Mills. He's the author of the book, Tough As They Come. He's been on the radio show with me a couple of times. Um, I just, I love his attitude and his spirit. Um, Welcome, how are you, sir? Really good, thanks for having me back. You bet. Appreciate it. I told you that it was cold in here. I mean, we keep it about 65 degrees. Yeah. So you come in... Long sleeve shirt, um, <laughs> and then take these legs off. They're pants. They're pants. So I'm always prepared for yeah, you're, anything. You're totally comfortable. Yeah, have my sleeve on. Right. So we're good. and this doesn't break down in the cold. I can do this all day. Right. <laughs> so we're. I mean, we're good. We're good. Um, <laughs> tell me about how you got into that position. Well, I was on my third deployment in uh, out of Fort Bragg, North Carolina, with the 82nd Airborne Division, and I happened to go on a patrol just like any other day and uh, we went out searched the area for improvised explosives devices you know IEDs in the ground we had a minesweeper ahead nothing nothing popped nothing uh, alarmed us we thought we were safe I took my bag off and set it on the ground and within a couple of seconds my bag hitting the ground 
Um, right, right arm was taken uh, at the bicep. My right leg was taken at the knee. They were disintegrated, never found the rest of them. Left leg was snapped to the bone, hanging off the side of me. And my left hand was still there, but ring uh, and pinky finger were gone. And my wrist was blown out pretty bad. So hit the ground, rolled over, saw the aftermath. Tried to fight my medic about saving my other guys that got hurt with me. Said, hey, you're not going to save me. Why don't you just go and take care of those guys? And he said, let me do my job. And I finally said, well, you know, you know, go save them. And they yelled they were okay. So he worked on me. Tourniquets, stopped the bleeding. Uh, flew to Kandahar, went to operating uh, the operating table. Did you think table. you were going to make that when no. you were laying down? No, but, you know, the only thing in my head was do not go out like saving Private Ryan with the medic. That yelled for, you know, his mom and was kind of crying out. Because I was the first in the firefight, the last to leave a firefight. Uh, I, I only... Ever uh, was able to, I can say this, I only showed was uh, I only showed fear one time. I got shot at by a sniper and it hit next to my head and I ducked in. And I was so mad at myself, I stood up on the berm and just fought, you know, fired back about a magazine and a half. Um, so I didn't want to show any fear. I just figured, you know what, it's not in my hands really. If I'm going to die, I'm going to die. The only thing I want them to be able to say is he didn't go out crying. He just said, hey guys, best of luck, don't worry about it. And told my medic it wasn't his fault no matter what happens. Um... I got on the operating table, and then I was just trying to stand up. I was told the doctors, get away from me, leave me alone, I'm fine. And one doctor had jumped, like, chest to chest with me and hold me down. And uh, they said, I don't know how you're still awake, Sergeant Mills, you need to go to sleep. And they knocked me out. And as I was fading out, the last thing I said, my little girl, I'm never going to see her again, because at the time I had a six-month-old. And uh, I went out, they started to undress me. They pulled my pants off, and my left leg actually came off with my pants. So it was a triple amputee. And then they worked on me 14 hours, uh, nine doctors and seven nurses, you know, two nurses for nine hours pumped air into my lungs and over 30 blood transfusions. People were rushing, basically just donating blood, and they were taking it and bringing it to me. And then um, they got me stable. I went to Bagram, Afghanistan on the 12th of April, and they took me in for a clean-out. They saw that my skin and neck were ties. It wasn't going to make it. What's a clean-out? Like they go out and clean your wounds and make sure the infection's down okay. and things All like right. that. Sorry. They took me in and did that, and my brother-in-law was there with me. And he said they rolled me in, and I had my arm, and they rolled me out, and they cut it off. So I had my hand, and then they cut it off. Um, Do you remember that? No, no, they didn't wake me up. You're out. So they, April 10th, they had me knocked out, and April uh, 12th, they cut the hand off. Two days later, they flew me to Launchville, Germany, and they woke me up for the very first time. And on April 14th, I woke up for the first time. The first thing I asked my brother-in-law, he was there with me. He was a medic. He's, he's still in the military um, with special operations. But I said, you know, am I paralyzed? He said, no, you're not paralyzed. <laughs> Uh, well, uh, let me back up. First thing I said is, my soldiers harm my soldiers. And he told me about Ryan and Brandon, how they were doing. And then I said, am I paralyzed? He said, no, you're not paralyzed. And I looked at him and said, Josh, no, I, I can take it. Like, you don't got to lie to me. I can't feel my fingers and toes, so am I paralyzed? And he said, no, you're not paralyzed. We don't have them anymore. And then I, I just settled in, didn't want to talk to anybody. Um, what was that moment? That, that was anger, confusion. Uh, I felt like I let everybody down. I you know, didn't know how my wife could ever still be with me. My daughter was going to look at me. How could I t take care of anything? Also, you see, 25 years earlier on April 14th, I was born. So it was my 25th birthday that I woke up to find all this out. Wow. Um, I didn't want to call my family, but my, my brother-in-law convinced me. I called my mom, my wife, and uh, my, you know, my mom and dad, my wife. And basically, I was just like, hey, what's up? I love you. I'm fine. Bye. And that was it. Uh, the mental game was the hardest part of all this. It always is. And then April 17th, I arrived at Walter Reed. And the first time my wife saw him, it wasn't that Kodak moment, you think. It wasn't like, oh, my gosh, I love you so much. We're going to be together forever. It was, Mrs. Mills, you're in charge of his medical history now. You've got to sign this paper because he has to, um, his sutures, my right leg had ripped open, and I was bleeding out. And they said, you're in charge of medical care now. He's going to bleed out unless you sign this paper for us to take him to surgery. And she waited out. She's like, well, you know, just pull the plug. 
And, <laughs> and I was like, Kelsey. And she's like, Travis, adults are talking. So anyway, doc. So, <laughs> no, so she signs the paper. Go back, leg cut, gets cut off. Next day on the 18th, I see her for the first time and I get to have a conversation. I just let her know, like, look, you don't have to put up with this. This is not what you signed up for. I'm not the six foot three, 250 pound, you know, staff sergeant, A2nd Airborne Division anymore that, that had everything that, you know, was going right. Now I'm cut off 140 pounds, lost 110 pounds. I just, you know, you don't got to put up with this. She's like, that's not how this works. Um, we're going to be, you know, I'm going to be here for you. Did um, you believe her? You know, I did, because I was trying to tell her, like, it's, no one's going to judge you. Like, it's fine. You know, I've already had the conversation, you know, telling her she should go. And she's like, I want the handicap parking. So I'm like, okay. <laughs> but but any, no, she didn't say that. I just figured that's why she stayed. Um, <laughs> did no. she believe it? I'll tell you what, my wife is amazing. Uh, so Kelsey had to sit there by my bedside when I was knocked out. I had such bad pain that they had to try this new stu- case study on me. It's called a ketamine coma, and the ketamine is only used, um, it was only used two times in the nation, 30 times in the world, and they pumped me full of it for six, uh, 600 milligrams for five days straight in a coma. And Kelsey sat by my bedside 20 hours a day until people were like, look, you need to go and, and you know, get out of the hospital. He's not waking up. And um, then we all woke up, and, and uh, finally, when I came out of that grogginess and I found out that I wasn't the only one like me, there's more guys out there, there's five total quadruple amputees, I'm number four. And that life goes on, and uh, I just thought, you know, there's two choices to make. Either sit here and mope around or take care of my family and, and get up and go. And I decided I was going to go ahead and get up and go. So the doctor came in to talk to me, and I said, I need to go work out today. And I was so weak, I couldn't roll to my left or my right or sit up. And he said, no, you can't work out yet. And I said, I just met Todd nicely. He was a second quadruple amputee. And uh, he walked into my room told me life goes on, and he lives in Missouri, drives and everything. And the doctor and me got an argument, and he said, I'll, I'll see if you can work out. So I called him every half hour, four hours straight. And he finally said, how, okay. how did you do that? You didn't have any? I, I, asked my, I asked my mom and dad okay. and my wife to do that. Uh, and then he finally said, okay, you can go work out. So I started my recovery at Walter Reed, and uh, he called ahead. I laid on my stomach, stretched my pelvis, heating pad on my back, 20-minute nap, best workout ever. I, I keep that regimen to this like day. I like that. <laughs> yeah. No, so I uh, started my recovery there, and, and I just went full force into it. I was, uh, I was very fortunate to have Todd Nicely visit me because I made sure I I made it a point to meet everybody in their rooms. And my attitude was very upbeat um, compared to the situation I was in. So they were like, hey, look, Travis, I can't tell you the guy's name or what room he's in, but if you go up on the fourth floor and you look between you know, 48 and 50, you might find him. And I'm like, I'm no Marine, so I'm way smarter than that. I know it's, I know it's 49. There's any Marines watching in your face. Um, but then it turned into maybe called, I was called the mayor of Building 62, They'd say, look, PFC Johnson's in room 49. His mom, his wife, and his kid are up there. He's missing one leg above the knee and one below. And that just transpired to the whole hospital. So I got to meet everybody. And then when the Boston uh, bombing went off, they actually had me fly to Boston to Spalding and go work out with the, the victims up there or down there. I guess I live in Maine, so it's down there. What is the, what is the um, usual attitude of well, I mean, the first thing when I walked into the room, I would tell people, I said, look, you know, you're not a bad person. God does not hate you. You didn't do anything wrong. This isn't payback. Because the first thoughts I had was, oh, my gosh, am I a bad person? Is this karma or something? I mean, does God hate me? Um, and then you just come to real. you have to. I mean, I, I, I'm at, at 23 years old, I own my own house, right? At 24, um, I had the house, my baby, my wife and I were doing well as a staff sergeant in the 2nd Airborne Division. Um, I was youngest E6, but I was in the senior uh, spot. I was doing well for myself um, in milita- military terms and, and my life in general. And, 
you know, and then this all happens. And it's like, I pay my taxes. Like, what did I do wrong here? And uh, that's the first thing that goes through your head. If that's what they do to, what you, to you when you don't pay your taxes, everybody in the country, even the politicians will pay their taxes. I would imagine they probably would. Yeah. Uh, but, but, you know, I just, that's the first thing you think about. Like, first you let everybody down, you're embarrassed, you're upset, and you're angry, and you can't believe it happened. And then the next thing is, is just like, am I a bad person? And there's all these things. It takes a while to get over that. Um, the hardest part of my recovery was not the, the physical. I mean, it was too easy for me to get back and, and learn how to walk and, and do things. It was, it was hard, and it was, you know, you exert a lot of energy, and you're always tired. But the worst part was mentally, you know, thinking about all this stuff. My wife said she's going to stay with me, so, I mean, that's okay, awesome, appreciate that. You know, my little girl, she doesn't think I'm any different. We still roll the ball back and forth and play with each other, and... I'm not sure how many dads are out there or, or mothers can say, hey, you know what? I learned how to walk with my kid because I literally learned how to walk again with my daughter. I have a video of me with my short legs on. They only go to about my knee. And I'm trying them out, you know, and I'm decent at walking. And I'm holding my daughter's hand, and she's just wobbling right along with me. Mm. And, I mean, my, my little girl's my best friend. I don't think I'd be the same person without my little girl. I, I honestly can say that. I don't think I'd be the same uh, in, in my recovery. I'd still probably be driven and want to do good, but... Every do, you think day. You could, do you think you would have done this without your faith? Um, that's a good question. I never had that one before. I told people I you know, was shaken. Obviously, I thought that I did something wrong or just God hate me. But um, I don't know. There's always a purpose for, for things that happen. I don't see the, you know, I didn't see it at first. And, and now I get to go around, travel, and speak and, and have a lot of fun with this. And I understand that my life is still going on. But. Probably not. I don't know because there's such like there's it's like a sinking hole of depression and like why did this happen and what can I ever do again, and you know like I said without my daughter, it, it being there to push me, and without the the realization that good you know bad things happen to good people and you just have to get through it and keep pushing forward, then I don't think I would you know be in the same situation. So I'm watching you talk and you're like an Italian, talking yeah. with your hand. Oh, this one's going too. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but your hand is actually opening and closing. Can you, I mean, yeah, what, how, how are you doing that? Muscle flexes in my arm. So Walter Reed has uh, um, the technology now. It's called Mayo. See that little circle on my forearm? Yeah, right, right there. Right here? Yeah, so there's a sensor there. So you ever rode a motorcycle before? Or, no. or a moped? It's okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. so rev the engine. <laughs> no, I have two. <laughs> at 15 in Michigan, you get a moped license. Let me tell you something. Everybody's making fun of me. Oh, let's go to my girlfriend's house after driving training. <laughs> oh, you guys are at home with your parents. <laughs> Whatever. So make a, f- no, flex the muscle, uh, the f- rev the engine on a moped. This muscle, flex that. So you, like rev the engine backwards. Yeah, so yeah. feel that muscle flex. Yeah. And then that's the top one. And then down here at the bottom, you feel the one down here flex. Yeah. So when I flex the muscle, the, the top muscle, if I flex it up slow, it opens. So flex, is it the same if I flex feeling it, that you had when oh, you... No. No, I can't feel anything. No, no, no. I mean, <laughs> mentally, is it the same? Are you using the same? It's all. Are you sending? You don't have to think about it as much. I mean, it's the same. You still think about it because it's all eyesight. Because I can't tell how hard I'm closing until, um, until I see that it's closed. But, but you're using the same muscles uh, here. It would feel similar. No, no, no. It's all completely different. It's just those two muscles. So down slow, down fast, up slow, up fast. But how do you make it spin around? You just hold the flex. So I, I flex my muscle fast towards the ceiling. Or towards the ground, and it's just how fast I twitch it, and I can do this all day. Uh, I would lie to you and tell you it's voice activated, but I don't want to make you mad at me. Right. I get a lot of people to yell at it. Every really? time I, no, I'm, I'm dead serious. Uh, I've gotten Peyton Manning to yell at it, you know. But um, 
Yeah, I'm not going to lie to you and tell you that. But when I, go, I speak throughout the nation, I bring one person out up on stage and have them do the muscle flexes, and that's how it's voice activated. And I have this whole deal that's yelling so at it. The gentleman, I'm like, well, it's baritone soprano, so you need to sound like a man, you know, like masculine it up. And, you know, they puff their chest and they get a little angry at me. That's funny. I'm like, oh, you jerk. And then with the females, I'm like, well, it's baritone soprano, so give it a little rasp. So, like, you got to, you know, it, it works out. The, uh, the, you have, like, servos in your, or what do you have in your legs? The legs, the, I mean, the legs are their own, these are their own microprocessors. They just feel the weight shift over my toe, and then it'll help me kick back and forward a little bit. But um, it's not attached to my body at all. I mean, it's just, it's just this little piece right here. These are waterproof. They have little hydraulic brakes in them, so you can slow yourself down going down ramps. Unless, you know, like that lady in front of you was really rude. And you're just like, oh, I can't stop. Oh. <laughs> you know, and then grandma's like, I broke a hip. I might drink milk and be nicer. That's what you should do. Check this out. Grab my hand and just twist it. There you go. That's real greasy. You don't want to touch the That's end of that. That's great. Oh, not again. Uh, just kidding. It doesn't hurt as bad the second, third, or fourth time. <laughs> the first time, I was like, no. But since then. And insurance pay for all this? Uh, y yep. Well, keep paying your taxes. <laughs> taxes pay for all this. But I'm thankful for that. I live in a great nation where that's possible. Um, you know, I, I live in a world that even though this happened, I can hop in a truck, you know, throw my daughter in her car seat, buckle her in and then I jump in the driver's seat and we go out to dinner you know not to uh like because you drive again oh yeah yeah I drive a, a um a truck and I have a van and my van's hooked up with hand controls and I just drive with like this is where my throttle and brake is at and then this right here is um my you know where I keep my hand then there's a button down here that does all my commands and my truck is uh completely different I drive with my feet in my truck but they just have a little remote that locks them to an angle like this and I just press the gas and the brake with each foot but, I mean, the world we live in now, right, so my birthday is April 14th. I've already said that. On April 13th this year, I got back from uh, Oklahoma City. I had an engagement out there. I flew back in. My wife made a delicious meal, steak, asparagus, potatoes. My favorite. Even though asparagus makes your pee smell, whatever. <laughs> so I get back. She says, hey, look, this is your birthday dinner tonight because I have school tomorrow night. She goes to college uh, for business, and she has school on Thursdays. She said, you have Chloe. I said, okay. So my birthday rolls around. I said, Chloe, what do you want to do for dinner? She wanted to go to Texas Roadhouse. I'm not trying to give a plug to them. She just likes cinnamon butter. That's what her justification was. Went out to dinner. I uh, drove there. Got her out. We uh, ate our meals. Had apple pie and ice cream. Went back home. I gave her a bath. Put her to bed. And my wife got home later that night. I mean, that's a world that, that I'm able to live in. You know, if you think about this happening in other wars, you know, technology has come so far from then. And, and they're just doing more incredible and amazing things. So I'm very thankful for the opportunities that I actually get to have living in this country. Um, and able to do that kind of stuff. Like, I know that I'll keep taking my daughter to school, even when it's snowy out in Maine, where I live, and I fell before, and the one time I fell last year, she said, Daddy, quit being silly. Give me my backpack. And she oh. ran inside and just let, gave me a kiss goodbye and ran inside and left me on the pavement in the middle. Of, and then her teacher, Miss Levine, she's, you know, in her 60s, she's like, I'll help you up, Travis. I'm like, whoa, I'm bigger than you think. She goes, I'm stronger than you think. I'm like, trust me, it's, no, <laughs> I'll get it. But, uh, but yeah. So we live in a country that um, takes care of the body in a miraculous way. As a guy who grew up watching The Six Million Dollar Man, I mean... He's a great guy, by the way. I got, I got yeah. to meet, meet Lee Majors at an event. Uh, <laughs> Did re you? Recently, yeah. Really? Yeah. Because really nice you guy. probably are about $6 million. 
Well, no, 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 no. It's not that much, taxpayers. It's not that much. <laughs> After I mean, every, all of your surgeries and everything else? That's a good possibility, I yeah. guess, yeah. You're, you're yeah. probably a $6 million man and worth every penny of it. Well. Um, but we take care of, if we can make it in a pill or we can, uh, we can make a machine to do it, we're good. But we're not good at taking care of the mind and um, PTSD. And I want to talk about that and the... The number of suicides of our veterans in our country when we come back. Carrie is here. Um, uh, he's with an organization that I think every American needs to know about. It is uh, an organization that's just trying to raise awareness um, uh, about uh, our our um, veteran population that is thinning itself out through suicide every single day. Hi, Carrie. How are you? Good, Glenn. Tell me how bad the situation is. It's much worse than you would imagine. What happens is is that uh, soldiers over in Iraq and Afghanistan, when they're in combat, especially in this particular theater, they don't have any downtime. They're constantly in danger of their conflict that they're doing, uh, potentially being hit by an IED, a suicide bomber, a sniper, and it's a level of adrenaline that they face, and they sometimes and often get wounded, but it's the, uh, it's the mental uh, instability that they have when they come back. And they end up with a lot of different uh, issues. Uh, one of the organizations I'm with called Empower Heroes helps plug the gaps where the GI Bill and the Hazelwood Act uh, doesn't actually cover costs. Small cost... Um, $2,500 for automotive tools if you're getting an automotive degree or something of that nature. And it becomes a cascade of different things that spiral down, and ultimately the veteran uh, loses hope, can't reconnect with the family, can't get into the workplace, struggles with all kinds of other issues, saw things that they shouldn't have seen, and then they commit suicide. And there's an organization called 22 Kill. Uh, the original national statistics was that there were 22 suicides a day of veterans. Put that into perspective of anything else. It is um, unlike anything that we've ever seen before. And quite frankly, these are very conservative statistics because uh, women aren't included. Uh, it's only really gunshot wounds and hangings, so drug overdoses, car accidents, oh, wow. things of that nature are not included. Most states actually are not uh, actually reporting veteran military-related suicides. Uh, so you have a number that came out uh, this week actually is more like 38 a day commit suicide. And so it's a, a horrific situation. And there are a lot of little things that uh, organizations like 22 Kill for Awareness and helping them provide resources to various different organizations um, that are helping uh, this issue but it's, it's, it's incredible. Dave, we've known each other for how long? Two years? Two or three years. Two yes, or sir. three years. And you came back, and you weren't having the best of time. <laughs> you can say that. It was uh, 134 surgeries and uh, a divorce. And, uh, uh, you know, went through a really uh, uh, dark place for a long time. What happened? How'd you get out? Jesus. <laughs> That's how I got out. So 
Um, you know, I, I, had a, I had a lot of support, but I was very hard-headed. Um, and so I thought that I could do it on my own, and I was going to prove everybody that I could. You know, so um, we went from uh, – from the from the uh, head injury uh, to the gunshot wound uh, to um, the burns uh, to the wheelchair to uh, kind of what Travis talked about the the physical part of it healed, but um, you know I, I let the the mind uh, take me places that it shouldn't have taken me, and so uh, I reached a breaking point in 2010, and uh, and I made a decision uh, sitting in a parking lot at a at a Best Western in Denton, Texas, and I said, either I'm going to kill myself or I'm going to go get some help. So I, um, that that fight in me wouldn't wouldn't give up, I guess. You know, that, that Ranger mentality, that's, you know, we're, we're going to be in it. We're not going to lose. So I went and got help. And so um, – Where'd you go? I went to a, a, a rehab center uh, for pain pill addiction and, uh, and alcoholism. And I started there. And they How much s- were you taking, if you don't mind me asking? I was uh, I was prescribed uh, 600 oxycontins a month, so wow. But see, at that time, the DEA hadn't really caught up with uh, um, the pharmacy, so I was getting a uh, a prescription from the uh, medical facility and uh, the army facility on base with that pharmacy, and then I can go get the exact same prescription from a um, civilian doctor and go to a Walgreens. So I was able to double up. Eventually, this caught on, and we, we fixed that. You can't do that anymore. They're all cross-referenced. But for a long time, it wasn't like that. And uh, so, um, you know, uh, I admittedly exploited that opportunity, and uh, my addiction took, took where, it, where it went, and it got me to a very bad place. And so uh, we go and we get, we get some help. Um, I was very fortunate to have a very um, supportive and, and a financially uh, fit father. That was able to go and get some some outside health care that uh, normal normal veterans don't really get to go to. Um, to say it worked or didn't work is really relevant because I'm sitting here today, so it must have worked. But um, the real change happened is when uh, um, someone sat down with me at a, at a sober living house and and introduced Christ to me and introduced the Bible. And, and it was the first time that somebody had opened the Bible up and said, uh, hey, God created you in his image and everything God created was good. And uh, I was like, the first time that somebody told me I was good in probably five, six years because everything I've been doing was very bad up until that point. And um, so then I ended up uh, going to church and accepted Christ and got baptized by Andy. And, and uh, from there, you know, I was able to achieve a, a bachelor's degree, working on my master's, gainfully employed, started a nonprofit. And, uh, and things have been really good since. So I got to meet you and we got to know each other and, and – uh, so I'm able to surround myself with a lot of good men that are very supportive and, and um, same goal-oriented people um, and, and mentor off of them uh, and, and do what they would do. And So here we are. I want to come back and talk to you about the nonprofit here in a second and what you guys do. But what I picked out from him is the importance of some just someone telling you something. I know that is true. I had a professor. I took one class at Yale University. It's all I could afford. And I was 30 years old, and I go to school. And between the time of being accepted into actually going, I get a divorce. My life had fallen apart. And um, so I could only afford one class. So I take this one class. And uh, I'm reading as much as I can. And I'm really trying to self-educate. 
and I feel like a dummy. And um, this professor sits me down, and he, he asks me, he thinks I'm being a smart aleck in class, and um, he asked me to lunch. He said, can I see you after class? Can we have lunch, please? And I said, yes, sir. Now I'm in with a bunch of you know, 19-year-olds, and I'm 34. And uh, he said, what are you doing here? And I said, I, I, I'm, I'm struggling to find some answers. I, I, I've spent my whole life being a dummy, and I'm tired of it, and I, I'm looking for some answers. And he said, what are you reading? And, and you know, I gave him the list of all the things I was reading, and he said, who is giving you that? How are you getting through that? Who is helping you through that? And I said, nobody, it's me. And he said, nobody does that. And then he looked at me, and he realized what was happening to me, and he looked at me, and he said, you know, you realize you belong here, right? Nobody had ever said to me I was smart. Now, obviously, I was smart enough to get into Yale, but I didn't, I didn't feel like I was smart. That guy, with that phrase, changed my life. Yeah. That guy telling you you're good changed your life. You're going in, and you're seeing people, and it's changing their life. What is it about someone coming in to someone at the bottom who is a stranger but can come in and say, hey, this is true? Um, for me personally, I mean, I just see someone, I saw somebody that was in the same situation, Todd Nicely, he walked in and said, hey, you're going to be fine. And then I saw it could be done. And then I realized that I was going to give that same thing back. So I went and met people. I went to Walter Reed three months after I, or th- maybe four months after I retired. And I drove in. They said, hey, look, we got a guy you got to see. And they uh, took me upstairs. There was a couple of doctors and nurses and people around the, the nurse's station. And I went to there and said, hey, I got to meet you know, this guy over here. And they said, he doesn't take visitors after 4 o'clock. And he, I guess he was really angry about the situation and mad. And I said, well, yeah, he does. And then one of the nurses knew who I was. She's like, oh, my gosh, Travis, I didn't know you were back. Come on this way. She knocks on the door, and she goes to open it, and she said, you have a visitor. And the guy says, I don't take visitors. And I, I had my legs off because I turned them in to get fixed. I was in my wheelchair with my arm on. I pushed the door open. I said, today you're taking visitors. <laughs> and I, I went in there, and he was double leg amputee. He had the same cuts that I, you know, like my legs were, but he had his hands. And he looked at me. He said, I don't. And he started counting them up. He goes, oh, my gosh, you lost everything? I said, yeah, I did. And he said, well, how did, what? I said, I'm here to talk to you. We're just going to have a conversation. Hung out for three hours. Uh, that night, his wife and his daughter came back, so I left. I said, hey, nice to meet you. We'll go tomorrow and tour the hospital. I'm going to show you where you're going to get better. I'm going to take you and show you the Military Advanced Training Center. I'm going to show you prosthetics. I'm going to show you where you're going to learn how to drive. And uh, he came down, and he had a doctor showing him stuff. And I told the doctor, he was a resident, and I didn't even know who the guy was. And I said, hey, I got this from here. And he looked at me kind of like I was silly. He said, no, no, you, you can go. I got this. And I went and took him and I showed him. He still wanted to be in the Marines. I said, you can stay in the Marines. And one of my soldiers that was underneath me overseas, he got blown up a month after I got hit, um, double leg amputee, but has his arms. He stayed in. Well, he was there running on his running legs. And I said, hey, I need you to meet John real quick. I said, this is my soldier in Afghanistan. He got blown up. He still works in the Army. He's at Walter Reed as a liaison. And these are his running legs. You're going to be able to do all this stuff. Ah, that guy's whole attitude changed. I mean, now he's, he's working on the Marines still. Both legs are gone. He runs. Uh, he's very positive and things like that. I don't know if it was because someone was in the same situation. You know, someone saw how down you were. Maybe they were in that situation. They could relate to you. But for me, it was just knowing, hey, look, other people have been through this, and they, and they came out on the other side okay. And I just felt like it's time for me to get going instead of feel sorry for myself. 
I, I will admit though, for healthcare, or like mental health, when they came in my room, you know, it was always like, you don't talk to mental health, it's kind of a weakness. Mm -hmm. So the first time she walked in, I fake slept. Second time, <laughs> I was fake sleeping. Third time, I was eating a bowl of cereal, and uh, she walked in, I had a makeshift arm on. And I was like, maybe three weeks into my explosion, and she walks in, and I, I remember I swore, and I fell back asleep. Yeah. And then I gave her my name, rank, and social, and then she said, what? And I gave it to her again. So that's all you tell the enemy, you can leave now. And my wife yelled at me. And then I didn't, I didn't talk to her until a couple of weeks later. And then she's like, okay, you're fine, I guess. But I just, I didn't want the help. And, you know, that's, you want to do it on your own. But that is, yeah. that is a hard part of it. Back I don't say that was right, yeah. Every Veterans Day, some dope like me says, hey, make sure you stop and thank a veteran. Um, this year we thought it would be a little better if we asked if we could step up our game a little bit. So I want to hear what I want to hear what you guys are all doing, so people can get involved. What are you? What is your foundation doing? Well, it's the Travis Mills Foundation. Um, I started it just to be able to give back all the great people at Walter Reed that would come in with their five hundred one C threes and do amazing things. And we just wanted to be able to provide a service to people in the same situation that I'm in. And we decided since I was moving to Maine, we we're going to bring people up to Maine, show them how to kayak and canoe, go boating, tubing, fishing, uh, thank them for the service, and build a network. Because you know what? I honestly don't run into a lot of people like me in my everyday, but there's other people out there in the U.S. that have been through this. And it's not just them, it's our families. So we decided we were going to build this retreat, uh, the Maine Chance Lodge up in Maine. And it's a $2.7 million project. We're very fortunate to be on pace to, to finish uh, all the construction and everything by next um, spring. And I'll, bring, I'll be able to bring my first families in. We're going to do five weeks of families, so five different weeks with six to ten families, um, up to 40 people. And we're able to bring them in, show them how to kayak and canoe, um, whatever they want to do. But let them know, look, life's not over. Don't live life on the sidelines. Um, you know, don't just stand there and watch everybody do it. Uh, do something. Get out there and do it with your families. And thank you for your service. So we're building this resort. 100% um, of the money raised goes towards the project. I'm the president of the board, and the six other or five other members on the board. We don't take a dime. We never will. And uh, I'm just very thankful to be able to give this uh, to give this back to to my fellow service members and their families, and build the network that they can have someone to lean on. We did two proof of concepts the last two years. They went very well, and uh, now we're. We're full, full force into it, and we're going to bump it up six to eight weeks and then 10 to 12 weeks of third year and keep it rolling. Tell me what you guys are doing, Dave. Well, we're uh, Veterans, Veterans Extreme Ventures. Um, our, our thing is a venture with a purpose, so we believe we're all on, on, a, on a, some kind of venture, um, and we're all purposeful. We all have a purpose to, to, to do. So uh, a lot of what we do echoes what, what Travis and them do. Um, Ours started with um, I had a really good I was really good friends with Chris Kyle, and uh, we're both from Fort Worth area, and and, and uh, uh, we did some uh, some things together, and and so for me I grew up hunting and fishing, uh, you know, on a big ranch, and uh, it's what I've always loved to do, and uh, there was a huge healing aspect when Chris and I would go out and shoot guns or go shoot hogs at my parents' place or whatever, and um, you know, just there's a there's for a moment things were pretty good. You know, and then, of course, you know, the addiction would take back and off life I went and stuff. And uh, um, Chris died. I really didn't do much. I, I, was, uh, uh, I was just getting sober. Uh, the last thing I had with Chris, we were sitting in a deer blind together, and I was hungover, and I was throwing up, and it was real bad. He put his big old hand on my back and slapped me real hard, and, and he said, uh, man, you need some Jesus. And, and, and he walked away, and that's the kind of guy Chris was. You know, he didn't put up with crap. And I was crap at that point. And uh, 
So when, when, when he passed, it just kind of was a, kind of a hole again. But I felt purposeful, right? Because at this point, I'd been told I was good and, and, and um, things were going a, a little different in my life. And, and um, so VXC has kind of morphed over the last few years. Um, what we do is we take guys out hunting and fishing, golf, whatever it is, uh, some kind of adventure. And we use that that time to talk just 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 natural talk just whatever comes up and whatever issues that they're they come up with we out resource that to where they so like what kind of what kind of problems i mean well let's say that they have addiction issue all right we have a a network of of um, uh, uh, therapies or um uh, rehabs that we work with that we can send them to depending on the severity of it maybe they need detox maybe they just just need a a counseling session. Maybe they need a, a spiritual person to talk to. Maybe they need a church to go to. Whatever it is, we want to meet that that need, um, and then provide uh, funding as much as we can for that. Where? How do people get involved in yours or your organization? Uh, just go to Veterans Extreme with an X, no E. Adventures. Extreme.org. Okay. Tell me about Twenty Two Kill. How can people help? Twenty Two Kill dot com is the is an awareness resource site. And people can learn about the latest information related to the suicide of veterans. Uh, the other organization that, that I'm the president of the board of is EmpowerHeroes.com. Empower Heroes is actually part of the fundraising arm for VXA. And Empower Heroes uh, comes in and helps out with these gaps that the GI Bill and the Hazelwood Act don't cover. And we help Empower Heroes. And these, these veterans are amazing. Uh, like this uh, PFC, Maria is her name. Uh, her husband is a combat veteran. He died in Iraq. Uh, she was a two-tour, eight-year veteran, single mother now, and all she wants to do is get an automotive degree. Uh, degree. So she's a receptionist, but she couldn't pay for the $1,500 for her tools. And those are the little things that they drop out. There's an 88% dropout rate of veterans out of a higher education, wow. technical degree or otherwise. And it's oftentimes just a small thing, a gas card to go visit family or a pilot certification. It's a really expensive program that the GI Bill covers, but they don't cover $125 certification tests, things of that nature. So that's a a way to help with EmpowerHeroes.com. And, and again, we help fundraise for, for Dave's organization. Back in a minute. I was talking to the Archbishop of Iraq the other day, and he said to me, we love America. We've always loved America. He said, but we, we knew living in Iraq, it was Saudi Arabia. It wasn't Iraq, it was Saudi Arabia. Why did you, why did you guys come and just disrupt us? Um, and he doesn't say, he wasn't accusing, he wasn't, you know, he, he had volunteered his time, uh, and I think still does, um, with any American troops, etc., etc. Was this worth it? Was this worth it? It's not for me to judge. I didn't, uh, everybody went to the military and signed up to go overseas, signed up voluntarily. This is not a draft time. Uh, my nation told me where to go, what to do. I went to Afghanistan. I mean, fought the Taliban. They're the ones that were responsible for 9-11. I was doing my job. Um, going back, I'll never do it again. 
um, getting blown up, that is, I'd still serve. I mean, I love my job. But, you know, I don't sit at home and wonder, like, you know, boy, what if this didn't happen? Because I, I can't change the past. I can reminisce the past. Like I, you know, I think I've mentioned before, I, 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 but why dwell on it? So was it worth it for me uh, to be able to serve my country and do my job? Absolutely. Um, I just did what my, my orders came down and told me to do. Was <laughs> it worth it? Absolutely. I wouldn't, uh, wouldn't give it back. I, uh, I didn't like, you know, losing friends. I didn't like getting blown up either or shot, but uh, uh, I wouldn't. I'd, I'd do it again in a heartbeat. I mean, drop of a hat. It's definitely worth it. Um, well, some, some of us are led to do certain things, and at that time, I went in before 9-11, but, uh, um, you know, we, we went, and we were told to do it, and we did it, and we executed it, and, um, you know, so for six long years, that's where I spent most of my time, and loved every second of it. For people who um, uh, see you guys, Maybe know who you are, or can tell who you are. You can always you can spot a military guy a million miles away. My smile gives me away. So yeah, that's usually what it is. Yeah, too. they're like you're yeah. Travis Mills, right? Yeah. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> um, what do you? Uh, what's the, what's the one thing you like hearing from people? Is there? I've talked to people who say, "I don't don't thank me for my service." No, I mean I just talk to anybody. They're like, "This happened in the war." And I'm like, "Yeah, it did." How you doing? And they say, that's too bad. I'm like, you know what? You don't go to, you know, I knew what I was getting myself into. I'm thankful to have the chance to, to serve, and I'm still alive. I, uh, I've put a lot of friends in the ground, um, and that wasn't a great part of my life. But they're not here with their families, and I still am. So I live every day to the fullest because they don't get the opportunity. And I think it would be selfish and a slap in the face if I didn't keep pushing forward for the sacrifices that they made for this great nation. So, uh I mean, people could approach me. I just usually tell a joke, you know. I would shake their hand, be like, "Ow!" And then like, "Oh, yeah, I, I saw that hurt you." It. Yeah, and I'm like, "No, you <laughs> didn't." But uh, I have fun with it. Dave, what would you say to people who were in your situation? The situation I was in, mm-hmm. I say, get off the pity pot and let's go to work. That's what I would say. So, because uh, I don't think God created us to sit idle and just sit in depression and sit doing nothing. Um, that's what. You know, I strive to do it VXA, and anybody I come in contact with, they're in a uh, situation like that. Is you know, nobody's feeling sorry for you. I'm not going to feel sorry for you. You know, God does not feel sorry for you. So let's get up and let's do something with your life, like you're intended to do. And, and sometimes just that 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 just somebody just telling them that is enough just to get them up a little hump and get them a little momentum going. And then it's you know, organizations like Twenty Two Kill or Pirate Heroes or you know, Travis's organization or all the other great ones that are out there to carry that momentum and to nurture it as we go, you know, so. For anybody who is uh, watching us and who is a uh, returned veteran, um, there's not a lot of stuff I believe in anymore. Um, Not a lot of things I have faith in anymore, at least where men are involved. The military is still one of those organizations, or at least the men I have met in the military. Thank you for your example, thank you for your service, and thank you for the honor that you have shown us. Will you close us out, Dave? Yes. Dear Heavenly Father, we want to come to you and um, uh, thank you for the opportunity you, can, you gave us today to uh, come together and um, be with each other, be, be united, be as one. Um, thank you for the uh, 
blessings that you have uh, given all of our veterans, our nation, um, even when things don't look well um, and despaired. We know that you are the way and you are the light, and and uh, we want to thank you. We love you, and we appreciate all that you have done for us. Um, we ask that you watch over our veterans, uh, be with them, be as they go through tr- their transitions, through their struggles, through their whatever they're going through. Uh, just put your hands on them, uh, heal them, be with them, um, and just know that we are with you. Uh, we have not turned our back on you, and, and uh, we ask all this in your name. We pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. From Dallas, good night. Experts at Web.com want to build your business a successful website for free, just like we did for these current Web.com customers. We've used and and looked at other website designers, but there's nobody better than Web.com. Web.com can build your website in as little as seven days free. Plus, we'll promote it on all the major search engines like Google, Yahoo, and Bing. If after 30 days you're happy, we'll continue to provide promotion, hosting, support, and maintenance, all for one low monthly fee. If not, cancel and pay nothing. If you're in business today and you don't have a web presence, you won't be taken seriously. Call right now and you'll also get a free .com or .net domain name for your new website powered by VeriSign, the world's leading domain name provider. Call 800-490-1099 or go to web.com slash radio. That's 800-490-1099. No upfront charge for site build, after which ongoing fees apply. Rights to site are relinquished when canceled. Domain included during active service, after which fees apply.